If you want to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18, this is where we'll be at for today's podcast. Um, We're only going to look at the first part of the chapter, um, and not necessarily that we're skipping areas, but um, we're not going to focus on uh, all the areas uh, of Genesis chapter 18. Um, Over the next little bit, we're going to be looking at just some uh, very specifics Um, When it comes to um, Abram, we're not going to dive into all of the the things maybe that are here, uh, simply for the fact that uh, some of them um, I don't think are going to really be worth diving into a whole lot considering what we're looking at. And so uh, with this one, we're going to be really looking at kind of, if you will, another um, reaffirmation. Um, maybe this one I think you could say is a little bit of a different um, affirmation. Uh, sometimes, um, you know, the Lord will be direct with us and let us know exactly what's going on. Sometimes, um, like in this situation here, um, God will use a uh, someone else uh, potentially uh, to affirm certain things in our lives. And so in this situation, Abram is going to have three visitors, if you will, that are going to come to uh, his residence, and we're going to look at the story here with these three and how that God is going to uh, do, if you will, like I said, another reaffirmation. Uh, And it starts in chapter 18, verse 1. It said, The Lord appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre, while he was sitting at the entrance of his tent during the heat of the day. And he looked up, and he saw three men standing near him. And when he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to meet them, bowed to the ground, and said, My Lord, if I have found favor with you, please do not go on past your servant. Let a little water be brought, that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. I will bring a bit of bread, so that you may strengthen yourselves. This is why you have passed your servant's way. Later, you can continue on. Yes, they replied, do as you said. So in this situation, just a very simple um, cultural uh, situation to where uh, these three visitors um, are walking along. Abraham sees them, and he does culturally what they kind of are used to, and that is um, being able to show hospitality. Um, He bowed which was, uh, in essence, you know, uh, which I, I guess I don't know how culture does it today, but me growing up, when you met someone, especially if you were men, and you met someone, you did a handshake. That was kind of a way of saying, you know, hey, how are you doing? A way of a greeting. And so a bow for these people was something similar to that. And um, when he called him my Lord, um, it's the lowercase l here, uh, and what that's in essence doing is a mister or a sir. So he's just showing again just the, the uh, cultural hospitality um, in what he's doing. And this is just a very simple gesture of saying, hey, you all are coming through. Uh, I don't want you to be able to go to any other village and say that we didn't show you hospitality. That's uh, in essence what's being done here. Abraham says, I want to make sure that we... Um, allow you to rest up. We want to give you water. We want to be able to let you um, uh, rest before you go any further. And um, then 
Of course, Abram, uh, in verses uh, 6 through 8, uh, Abram runs in, tells his wife, and says, you know, I need you to prepare this and do this, and, you know, kind of put her on the spot there with these three visitors. And so, uh, gets them some uh, some things to eat and some water, and takes them uh, back out to them to be able to serve them. And I want to pick up uh, in verse 9, because this is where um, we're really going to, uh, we're going to be getting into some of the the reaffirmation now before we go there i want to go back to chapter 17 uh and i want us to be able to see what god was doing here if you remember he changed abraham's name in chapter 17 from abram uh to abraham And then in chapter 17, verse 15, it says, God said to Abraham, As for your wife Sarai, do not call her Sarai, for Sarah will be her name. And so this is an important little nugget to keep in mind. Because if you want to look at it this way, only God, Abraham, and Sarah know this little secret. Okay? Nobody else knows that Sarai's name has been changed to Sarah. So look in verse 9. Where is your wife Sarah? They asked him. There in the tent, he answered. The Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. And Abraham and Sarah were old, or were old and getting on in years, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So she laughed to herself and said, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I have delight? But the Lord asked Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time I will come back to you, and in about a year she denied it. Sarah denied it. I did not laugh, she said, because she was afraid. But he replied, no, you did laugh. And so now as we look at this scenario, you have in chapter 17, Abraham, God, and Sarah are the only ones that are in on this name change. You have three complete strangers that just happen to be walking by Abraham's property. He calls them in, asks them to stay, and wants to feed them. And while he's doing that, they just happen not to say in verse 9, where is your wife? But they said, where is your wife Sarah? It would even have been odd if these three strangers, who apparently Abraham did not know because he didn't show any way, shape, form, or fashion, that he knew them, maybe they had heard of Abraham. And if they had, they would have probably said to Abraham, where is your wife Sarai, not Sarah? This was not something that I'm sure had been, you know, spread across everywhere. It's not like, uh, and I'm being kind of joking here, but it's not like Sarah updated her Facebook post by saying, I've changed my name from Sarai to Sarah. Uh, It's not one of those things to where it would have been really publicized. So how in the world did these men know where Sarah was? 
and that her name was Sarah. It's because we have an encounter here that God is ordaining. And Charles Swindoll even uh, states that one of these men is the Lord himself, is God himself. Um, And we go back and we go to verse uh, 13 for that when it says, But the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Um, There, the word Lord um, is capitalized and it is in reference to God. And so what we have here, if you will, is uh, angels unaware uh, kind of mentality. Um, Abraham is having a divine appointment here that he is unaware of. Um, And you can tell that Abraham doesn't even really pick up on it um, when the when the Lord says, where is your wife, Sarah? That should have been a surefire trigger that Abram or Abraham picked up on it that there was something going on here. But this is one of those um, reaffirmations that God is telling him, listen, I'm aware of your situation. And not only have I assured you multiple times over, I'm actually going to come to you in person and I'm going to reassure you that you are going to have a child. Um, Now, when we look at this situation, Sarah, she laughs. She's not really, she's not really grasping what's going on here in the sense that to her, this doesn't make any sense. Now you say, well, why is that? Because she's not had any of these personal encounters with God that Abraham has. See, if we go back, all these different situations, Abraham has been, you know, challenging God. Abraham has been looking at the situations and he's saying, you know, God, I need I need some more assurance. I need affirmation. I need you to do this. And God has continuously showed up to Abraham and affirmed and reaffirmed and reassured this covenant with Abraham. But he's not done it with Sarah. Now, part of it could be that We don't have any record of Sarah ever asking for it. And that could be why we've seen Sarah's reaction in Genesis 16. She never really did seek God out for it. She took her own uh, method of handling things, and we talked about what happened there with Hagar in Genesis 16 and why that was such a problem. And so here we just, we hear, uh, or Sarah hears this message that's given, and she just kind of, you know, cackles out loud and says, you know, y'all don't even recognize what's going on. I'm way past childbearing age. My husband is absolutely wore out. He's old. It's, it's, it is physically impossible for us to have a child. It, that's in essence what she's doing. She's just kind of cackling out loud and, and saying, these guys have no idea what they're talking about. But yet, that's why the, the, The Lord says, is anything impossible for me? Is anything impossible for the Lord? You're sitting here telling me that this is something that cannot happen. I'm telling you, I guarantee it will happen, and I'll be back in a year and be able to verify, you know, what happened. There's there's times in our lives, and and I guess I want to say it this way. There's times in our lives to where... God has continued to reaffirm the promise and the covenant He's made to us. But because we haven't heard from Him in an extended period of time, we give up on that. 
you know, we talked about how that uh, in Genesis 17 here, it was um, 13 years, if you will, before God had uh, really spoke to Abraham. It was after the situation that happened with Abraham, um, Sarah, and Hagar that Ishmael was born, and God was silent through that period of time because Abraham and uh, Sarah had taken it upon themselves to solve the problem. And so with that being said, you know, God kind of left them to their their own situation. And 13 years later, you know, they, they're just kind of looking at it and saying, okay, we had the promise and, you know, I guess Ishmael was it because we done what we were supposed to do. We haven't heard from God anymore. And then all of a sudden, you know, God shows up here. When we, keep, when we forget about what God's promised, uh, he reminds us that he never did give up. And that's what's happening here. And it's almost one of those things to where you could even put yourself in Sarah's shoes and say, okay, you know, yeah, we've been down this road. Uh, my husband has told me time after time after time that uh, we're going to have a baby, um, that God's promised this and that. And it's never happened. You know, we, when we were able to have a child, it was through Hagar. That was it. And I've just got to be happy that way. I've got to just settle for this kind of happiness. And the problem is, is God did not intend for that to be Sarah's happiness. God did not intend for Sarah to um, have that as her promise, or nor Abraham. And so God is going to remind them of that. The problem is, is when we are, and I hate to say it this way, when we're when we're down because we have, uh, when we've done things our way. And it's not allowed any joy or happiness to come to fruition. And we're just kind of settling. Those are many of the times to where we we do forget about the promise. And we just kind of fall prey to the spiritual warfare and just say, okay, this is the best that I'm going to be able to get. Now, this is not not in no way, shape, form, or fashion talking about any kind of a, a, a health and wealth kind of mentality. I'm not saying that. And I'm not one of these that God is always going to give you um great things because there is suffering in our life. There is trials in our lives. And so it's not one of these things that God is going to constantly just shower you with lavishness all the time. However, when God makes a promise, his promises are good and he keeps his promises. And so right now, Abraham and Sarah have not uh, attained the goodness of the promise of God. And so he is going to uh, continue to fulfill that. Now, Part of this, too, is being able to, uh, for them to be able to wrap their minds around the God doesn't need you to fulfill the promise, but he's going to fulfill the promise in and through you mentality. See, that's the reason why Abraham and Sarah are struggling, because their faith is not to the point that it is trusting in what God is saying. They are hearing what God is saying. And as you've seen with Abraham, he's needed constant reassurance and reaffirmation of that. But it's not to the point to where they fully trust in him that it's going to come to fruition. And the reason why I say that is because it's not up to this point been shown that way, despite all of the ways that God has... Um, went above and beyond to make sure that Abraham has had reassurance, 
So there's that. But then also the way Sarah is reacting here by cackling out laughing and saying that um, there's no way because of being too old. Now, what we have to do is we also have to be discerning because here's where the, the difficulty can come in. I've had people that will come up to me, for instance, and tell me, God has told me something that I need to tell you. And they will then begin to articulate, if you will, what they believe God is going to tell me or what God has told them to tell me. And it has absolutely nothing to do with my life. It has nothing that has anything to do with my prayer life, with my time of study. And it's in those situations that you realize this ain't from God in any way, shape, form, or fashion. This is just somebody trying to be overly spiritual. It has nothing to do with God. However, the situation that's going on here with Abraham, God does something very specific here in that when he makes the comment in verse 9, where is your wife Sarah? This was a moment that should have triggered in Abraham and say, okay, first of all, how do you know my wife's name? That should have been something. But Abraham just kind of, you know, he says, where is your wife Sarah? And he's like, oh, she's over in a tent. I mean, it didn't even trigger him. It didn't even register to him that in that moment, God, or this visitor, who was apparently God, uh, from what we see in Scripture here, um, who would have been the only other one other than Abraham and Sarah to know that Sarah's name had been changed, um, just pitched him a softball. And was just like, okay, here Abraham, here I'm the only one who knows that Sarah had her name changed, so I'm going to throw this softball to you so you get it, and then you get this, you know, assurance that I'm going to be giving you. But Abraham didn't even get that. It just flew right over his head. And so with that, there's times that God will come into our lives, and whatever our current situation may be, um, whatever our current prayer situation may be, what we're praying for, what's going on in our lives, there are times that God will bring people into our lives and He will use them to speak to us. And I'll tell you why. Because we are so distracted by what's going on that we're not really hearing from God in the first place. And so because our faith is weak and because God is trying to speak to us in a still small voice and we're not hearing from Him, He will use others to do that. I have had that happen in my life. There's been times that I've had someone come up to me and we just initiated a conversation and they literally were talking about what was going on in my own prayer life in that time. I was praying very specifically for something. Um, I did not share it with this person at all, but yet I, once that person began to um, articulate what was they, they were saying and it was lining up right with what I was praying for, I knew that I needed to be aware of that and I needed to listen, you know, to make sure that I was hearing from the Lord because apparently the Lord was doing something in making sure to use that person to tell me. And it lined up with where my prayer life was. So in, do I believe that God will use people? Yes, but I believe that God uses people in very um, specific instances. And when they do, they will be making sure 
that they speak directly to your situation in a way that you just automatically recognize, wow, this is from God. It's not one of those random spiritual things, um, but it's very specific, just like with this situation where he called out Sarah rather than Sarai. And so I think those are things we need to make sure that we look out for. We also have to sit down and understand, too, when things are difficult, nothing is too difficult for the Lord. That's what he said. Is anything impossible for the Lord? Here's Sarah and Abraham just keep throwing up their old age. Excuse me, over and over and over. Every time you turn around, that's all they're talking about. And God is saying, listen, that's the point. I want you to recognize that it is far beyond your power to do this. So that way I get the glory. So that way you recognize that I'm the one who done it. And that's the same thing in our lives too often. We get so um, discouraged and we get so overwhelmed and so downtrodden over the fact that we feel like there's something that needs to happen in our lives and yet we're not the ones to be able to do it. It's, It's almost like we feel like we're a failure. When yet God is saying, listen, I want you at the place where you recognize you can't do it. That's that's where I'm trying to get you. I'm trying to get you to the point to where you recognize you can't do it. So that way you recognize only I can do it. But what we do is we get down on ourselves and we feel like a failure because we're like, well, you know, God's trying to do this in my life and I'm just not able to. When God is saying, man, that's that's where I want you. And you should celebrate those things. So... The, 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 the point is, don't feel like a failure. Don't feel discouraged in those moments. Stop for a moment. Be sensitive to what the Lord is trying to teach you and recognize it's okay that you aren't able to. It's okay that you don't have the strength, nor the power, nor the ability to. That's where God wants you. And to con- the other thing that we see here is we still don't see Abraham and, S- and Sarah in prayer. We still don't see Abraham and Sarah seeking out to God over these things. We're going to see Abraham. I'm not going to continue through 18. You know, Abraham's going to, in the rest of Genesis 18, Abraham is going to be praying for for God not to destroy Sodom. Um, And he's going to say, Lord, if you can find 50 righteous people, 40, 30, 20, 10, goes all the way down through. If you can find 10 righteous people, will you spare Sodom? You almost want to sit down and say, Abraham, if you would have been as passionate and as intense in your prayer time, Um, for you and your wife and this promise of God as you are for Sodom and for Lot, um, then maybe you wouldn't be in the boat you're in. You remember Genesis 12? Don't bring your family with you. I told you Lot was going to be a problem this whole entire time. Lot has been a problem the whole entire time. And Abraham is going to spend more time praying for Lot and praying for Lot's safety than he has been praying for his own wife, praying for the promise that God has given him, praying for strength in the situation that God has given him. And that's what we're going to find in the rest of Genesis chapter 18. However, I am going to dive in to Genesis chapter 19 just a little bit um, in our next podcast. I know it doesn't have a whole lot to do with Abraham because it has more to do with Lot. But I I want to make sure that we, we look at this situation because many times we may look at it and say, you know, you know, Jeremiah, you have beat a horse to death talking about the fact that Abraham should not have brought Lot with him. And yeah, you said that, that Lot was going to be a problem. I, I think we need to really dive into Genesis 19 and understand why God wanted Abraham to be separated from his family to be separated from all these things so he could fulfill and work out this promise in him and how that God foreknew 
the problems that was going to take place and how that Abraham should have been attentive to that and how that applies to our life and how that sometimes God is trying to make sure that we don't have things or bring things or put things in our lives. And we wonder, like, God, why are you keeping this from me? Sometimes God's doing it because he's keeping us from ourselves and keeping us from things that are going to be very uh, difficult for us down the road. So in our next podcast, we're going to start looking in Genesis 19 because I think it will be something good in order for us to be able to, to understand why God said what he did in Genesis chapter 12. So I pray this has been an encouragement to you. I pray that uh, you have been able to... Uh, grow in this. So I I do ask if you are being encouraged by this podcast that you would, uh, whatever um, platform you're listening on, whether it be Spotify, Anchor, um, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, to leave a five-star rating and to leave a review uh, of what uh, you feel has been an encouragement to you. Um, So that way it'll help this to get out there a little bit more. Also, I encourage you to continue staying in your word daily. I pray that if Uh, Most of all, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that um, you would understand that the Bible says that we're all sinners and all in need of a Savior, and that you would find someone who is a uh, Christ follower uh, and talk to them about what it means to surrender your life to Christ and, and ask Jesus to be Lord of your life. So I pray you have a blessed day. We look forward to our next podcast together.